right, and welcome to the Funeral Fact Podcast. My name's Jeff Casper, and I'm your host today, and we are going to be talking about something that I find absolutely fascinating uh, as we uh, have been exploring the different elements and customs and traditions um, uh, that we are all going to have to deal with at one point or another, and um, I, in, in, as part of the research, we came up with uh, natural or conservation burials. And I found the topic to be absolutely fascinating. And I was fortunate enough to um, be able to get in ta- contact with uh, Jody Buller. Uh, she is the manager of the White Eagle Memorial Preserve Cemetery at Econi Ranch in Washington State here in the United States. Welcome, Jody. Thank you, Jeff. It's a pleasure to join you. It it is really great to have you today. Um, and just in it, you, uh, and I'll tell our listeners if you go to funeralfact.com, you can um, actually uh, find a link to uh, the website and uh, other contact information. Uh, what a wealth of information uh, that you have, have brought via the website, and I'm really looking forward to our, our chat today. Yeah, I feel like it's been a real great gift to be able to do a lot of outreach about natural burial or green burial. It's it's uh, it's very um, it, it it touches I think a lot of our human roots because uh, it's the way humans have uh, traditionally laid loved ones to rest for for uh, years past, um, and and it gets uh, it it's gotten lost in the last number of years, but. Um, it feels really good to be able to share with folks uh, just what it is. Take the mystery out of it. Let's let's uh, talk a little bit about the uh, White Eagle Memorial Preserve. Um, it was established in in two thousand eight, and it's on a ranch property. How how big is is the uh, uh, Memorial Preserve Cemetery? Well, the the cemetery acreage is 20 acres, uh, and it's mostly uh, ponderosa pine and Gary oak forest with a wildflower meadow running through the center of it. And it's it's abutting, it's up next to Rock Creek Canyon, which is a a feeder river that feeds down into the Columbia River, that big river that runs uh, on the border between Washington and Oregon. Uh, so it's way out in the middle of nowhere. The nearest town is called Goldendale, and uh, and it's just a beautiful sort of high prairie um, uh, landscape, pretty dry in the summer, and um, and it's it's sitting within uh, a little bit over a thousand acres of um, con- conserved land. So. We are a part of a larger nonprofit organization called Sacred Earth Foundation, and that was a 40-year labor of love um, with with the community um, buying up parcels of what had been ranch land or had been um, wilderness land with the intention of stewarding it for, uh, well, for in perpetuity. And uh, when the founder of the place, Ray Mitchell, uh, died suddenly of a heart attack in his mid to late 50s um, in 2007. It had been his uh, dream to be buried on this land that he'd worked his whole adult life to try and, and steward. And so uh, his widow, Fissy, and um, members of the community were able to fundraise to get an endowment care started and were able to walk through the um, the steps of becoming certified as a cemetery by the state of Washington 
in order to bury him, and that was about a four-month process. So we, we they buried Ray in April of 2008. It was the first burial, and that was kind of kind of the impetus for for this whole thing. Wow. Now, is there? Uh, you had mentioned that you have to be certified as a funeral. Is there anything special that you have to go through to be, you know, a natural burial ground as opposed to just a? a <laughs> A nor- well, I shouldn't say normal, but uh, but a traditional or what a more conventional cemetery. Yeah, yes. yeah. You know, there there was not on the state of Washington level. We needed like all cemeteries to to create an endowment care fund, and I think that's the main obstacle for people who are wanting to try and start a cemetery for you know in, with with the, the sort of rising momentum around around natural burial. Uh, what we did choose to do was go through a national certifying organization called the Green Burial Council. And uh, so we needed to get an ecological assessment and sort of go through their list of, of standards um, to make sure that, uh, that we were um, uh, worthy of being designated um, as a conservation burial ground. Green Burial Council has three levels of, of standards. There's um, hybrid, there's natural, and there's conservation. And so a hybrid cemetery is one that is maybe a, been a more conventional cemetery um, and then is beginning to also offer natural burial just sort of in and amongst um, their grounds. And you'll still see the green lawn and, and um, you know, uh, stone markers that look more like tombstones. Um, and then the hybrid burial grounds are ones that have designated a separate area, and often they will be doing uh, native planting in association with the burials and, and sort of creating a more natural space as they go. And then conservation burial grounds, uh, they are, they're larger for one. They're minimum of five acres if there's adjoining land that's also protected or 10 acres if this is a, a standalone entity. And they are often working in, they need to work in conjunction with a nonprofit stewardship or conservation organization. So in our case, we were, we were that already. And so it was a pretty easy fit for us, for us to um, get that designation. It sounds like it uh, really was. And now if, if someone would choose or wants to be um, uh, buried uh, in a, a natural uh, burial ground, um, is there anything that obviously we encourage all of our listeners to, to plan for what is inevitable for all of us and really understand what the options are? But I would presume there's got to be some planning involved because uh, in your, uh, uh, you know, the, the funeral home, if they don't know, if they think you're going to go to uh, just your standard cemetery, uh, they're going to embalm you. You're going to get a casket that's uh, made out of, you know, impervious metal. Uh, I, I, is that, am I on the right track that you would need to do some uh, pre-planning and thought that way? Well, that that is definitely the wide track, and uh, and if you don't do a little bit of pre-planning, it's more likely that that's what will happen. Um, it is my understanding that a funeral home can't embalm you without the permission of your power of attorney person, you know, who's making the decisions after you after you die or your close family. Um, so you do it, it, it's it's not inevitable. 
Um, but definitely it's, it's what the, what the baseline understanding for people is, is that's what it looks like if you're going to be buried. Um, so I encourage folks to, uh, do some pre-planning and think about it. Mostly that involves talking with your loved ones about what you would like, um, and then uh, we've got a couple of, of documents I sent to, to folks that are just sort of a, a quick checklist of I want to be buried in a shroud or I want to be buried in a – we bury people in caskets, but they just need to be basically plain, simple pine boxes, um, not all of that heavy metal and the varnish and those things. It just what, – what we want to bury people in things that are going to biodegrade. That's, that's our standard. Um, so, so doing a little bit of that thinking ahead and talking with, uh, the folks who are going to be, um, in charge of logistics after you die is, can be really helpful. Um, and, and also help make it less scary. You know, um, there's, we see a lot of, of people come out and they, they look around and they like the feel of the place and then they come back out with their kids and they want to show them what this is and what this looks like. And that can be a, a really easy way to, to introduce the concept. It's, it's pretty simple. You know, we prepare the grave places by hand, and, um, and we often are uh, with a wheeled cart that we will wheel uh, somebody's uh, shrouded body or casketed body out to this place in the forest. And then I find often with the burials themselves, um, that uh, that there are, there are kids present, and I kind of walk I walk everybody through it from the kids' perspective and try to be really clear about like here's what our next step is. And now you know one of one of the things I think that's been uh, beautiful learning for me in this work is um, there is that initial fear sometimes, and I think that's why people don't do pre planning or they they don't they don't want to think about it, um, but on the far side of that fear, there's a real, um, it feels really good to be involved in, in the actual physical lowering your loved one down into a grave, helping to, helping to bury them, you know, not, not just that ritual sort of handful of earth, but, um, picking up the shovel and breaking a sweat and, um, and being engaged and um, involved and being moved, moved on the physical level, which, uh, is, I don't know that people have words for what that what that does, but I see it um, in the sort of the level of of um, fear or uncertainty when people arrive, and then what's happened through that process of the burial. Um, it's it's ancient human work that we're doing, and I think I think people respond to that on on a level they might not be able to explain, but definitely can can feel. I would think that it would be very comforting uh, to be able to, um, you know, assist in that process, not just stand by and, and watch things happen. Um, and, and then also perhaps even gain a better understanding of how the process uh, works and, and um, you know, that going back to the earth where we all came from and, and, and then uh, going through that entire process, um, I like I said, I'm I'm just fascinated uh, by the topic, um, and as as fate would have it, uh, it uh, appears that we are coming up on a break here, uh, but but very quickly uh, we got about uh, I don't know about uh, 40 seconds left. 
Uh, and you know I'm going to actually ask you the question after we come back from the break because that's not fair to you to ask you a question so can you answer it so quickly. Uh, but uh, well, at any rate, well, I, I do uh, I do want to say there there's a thing about active grief and that's real and people moving through their grief actively by doing something by being of use by making the shroud by that that piece is is pretty crucial turns out. Well, and and like I said, it's 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 almost a final act of kindness that you can do for your loved one, uh, as opposed yes. to just signing a form and and saying here you go, um, and and you know I agree. Uh, dis- it's not people aren't comfortable necessarily discussing uh, their final arrangements, uh, but it's so important to do that because otherwise. You know how how are you going to get the message across, and 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 you you make a difficult time a little easier, uh, and allow people to focus on their grief, not on what has to happen next. And I do, of course, grief and re- logistics. Sorry, grief and logistics are really there. It's hard those two things together. You know, the time of grief is is a really hard time to be planning. Yeah, it, it, and of course it all comes at once. Um, we are up against our break now, and I, I do want to welcome our new listeners uh, from Japan, Canada, the United States, of course, Slovakia, the Netherlands, Germany, the United Kingdom, Sweden, and, Sweden and France. Uh, welcome, and um, we're glad to have you. Go to funeralfact.com. Give us your comments and your questions. We're watching it right now. We'll be right back. information, in-home care, and support for seniors living with Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, dementia, and other disabling diseases. We spoke with renowned occupational therapist, Tipa Snow, about some of the myths surrounding Alzheimer's disease. Some of the myths about dementia and Alzheimer's is that people aren't trying and that maybe we should push them harder. There's a point at which the brain is dying, and so people are doing the best they can in that moment. What we could do is change how we go about it. Another myth is that it's all genetic. Not necessarily, lifestyle matters. How we live our life makes a difference. We also know that not everybody will get it. It's not something that for sure, as you age, you will develop. For more information on Senior Helpers, please visit us online at seniorhelpers.com. Senior Helpers is a member of the Alzheimer's Foundation of America. Changing the world. We are this close. This, this close to making sure no child suffers a crippling disease ever again. This close. We are this close to ending polio. To ending polio. All we need is you. Is you. This close. If we don't act now, we may lose this chance forever. Help Rotary make history at endpolionow.org. Imagine if I told you that an earthquake was going to hit tomorrow right where you live. that it would be 6.5 in magnitude with aftershocks occurring twice 25 minutes apart. You'd no doubt talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true.
Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I improved my credit score. You're kidding, right? Uh, no. How are we supposed to be the bad boys of Electrosynth Pop if you're out there being responsible? The band is about to be discovered. This is our year. Uh, yeah, you've been saying that for a while now. You think anyone in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was worried about their credit score? I never really thought that Of we were... course they weren't. Rock stars aren't supposed to think about that kind of stuff. We're supposed to think about how many guitars we've smashed, write aggressively sensitive power ballads, start questionable fashion trends, tragically break up and blame creative differences. All right, all right, just... I thought maybe it was time to take control of my finances, you know? Start using a budget. Get out of debt. Set some goals. A budget? Debt? Set some goals? Listen, I knew that we'd have our creative differences, but I was hoping they'd involve a little more scandal. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. We are back on the Funeral Fact Podcast. Today we're visiting with Jody Buller. She is the manager of the White Eagle Memorial Preserve Cemetery at Econi Ranch. Uh, welcome back, Jody. Uh, we have had a great discussion so far. Um, and, and I think where we had wrapped it up and, and we were talking about how you take a participatory role with your loved one and and really giving them that last final act of kindness that you can um, was a great place to leave off. And and I'd like to talk a little bit about the, the actual logistics of it. Now, do you have uh, the same size of a gravesite as a traditional or I keep saying traditional and, and that is not correct because of course way back <laughs> way back in in the day this was traditional burial and and uh, so uh but if as we think yeah of, i and, think you know that right there is the paradigm shift this is this is the traditional way so i've i've tended to use conventional as a, as a way of talking about the the cemetery um industry as it has developed in the last 50 years uh, and and most of those cemeteries, the grave sites are uh, pretty snug up next to each other. Um, we have gridded out this forest at White Eagle um, to uh, be 20 foot by 20 foot sites. They're they're pretty huge, and in part that's because um, there are trees everywhere, and so we really want to um, be uh, as respectful to the intact ecosystem as we can. Um, so we're, 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 as I say, we don't plant people in the meadow um, because that wildflower ecosystem is really fragile and, and we're going to keep that as it is. And then uh, within that 20 foot by 20 foot space, there's often a place of clearing and that's where, that's where we would choose to, um, to dig the grave place. Um, so it's a it's an expansive um it's an expansive feeling uh, often people are drawn to oh i love this little ring of trees right here i can see you know i can see that it would be this would be a lovely place for friends and loved ones to come visit um we people do you know want a view of the meadow or if there's a little view of the canyon they, they, it is a bit of real estate trapping in that way i still find <laughs> but <laughs> But uh, <laughs> it's just so, it's fascinating to me. 
but but all of the sites cost the same amount of money and are the, are the same size um, within within White Eagle grounds themselves. Okay, that begs me the question: how how much uh, would it be to uh, bury or to to buy one of these grids? Yeah, well, the site itself is twenty five hundred dollars, and then there's an additional ten uh, percent of the site cost, which is two hundred and fifty dollars, and that just goes into the endowment care fund, and that's the in perpetuity um, uh, state requirements. And then what we call our burial or our open and close cost is six hundred dollars, and so that's that's for the preparing of the place and hosting of a burial reception, just sort of the the day and the experience. So the grand total is three thousand three hundred and fifty. No, that's very reasonable. Um, yeah. Now, do, is there? Can the family also purchase a marker or something? I, you know, mm-hmm. I, my parents or grandparents actually, and my parents are are all buried at uh, national cemeteries, and you know where they are when you go to their burial. But you go back ten years later, and all of a sudden, there's a lot of a lot of grave markers, and they all look the same at that point. Uh, so, can yeah, I and it's fascinating marker? to me. We definitely have graves with markers. Um, we often, as we are preparing the place, will pull out some larger stones, and maybe the family will choose one of those. And um, one of our stewards, Bob Jeffers, who's a, he's one of the founding stewards for White Eagle, uh, he is also a stone cutter, and so. He will work with families. Sometimes they people have a, a stone cutter in their area, or or a family member who knows how to do it. And so we just ask that they bring in um, that the marker be a sort of more natural rock like, you know, not that polished marble. You're not going to see any of that. Um, and then we do have people who really don't want any kind of like they don't they just want. They want to go back to the land, and they would rather that it didn't even look like there was a grave there. It just runs a gamut. It's very interesting. It's again. It's it's probably about personal choice, and and as you mentioned, mm-hmm. some people want to have a view of the canyon or the or the meadow. Uh, personally, I don't plan to stick <laughs> around. <laughs> but um, uh, no, I mean it's it's those things are all all of the considerations that that go through people's minds and. And it's great because it sounds, and, and the photos that are on the website that you have there are just really uh, beautiful uh, as far as giving a good feel for the area. Uh, and and now to, to talk about the logistics of, of when you bury somebody, um, obviously we decompose. Uh, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Is it accelerated because... Uh, you know, the person isn't embalmed and is in a shroud or a, or a simple pine box uh, versus, um, you know, basically what I'm asking is how long is it going to take for Uncle Fred to be, again, part of the ecosystem? Well, and it's such an interesting question. We don't have a lot of research nationally or statewide about um, how how fast decomposition happens or recomposition happens. Uh, we are on the east side of the Cascade Mountains, so it's a much drier ecosystem out here. I, in talking with some funeral directors on uh, in the Portland area, which is our nearest metropolitan city, um, it happens fairly quickly, within three to five years. Um, 
out here I'm I'm suspecting it's a little bit longer to be totally back absorbed into the earth. Um, and and we work with funeral homes and we work with families directly. And so this question of of so there's how long does it take Uncle Fred to totally recompose is one, and then the other is how long how long do, does a family have before they need to to make sure that Uncle Fred gets in the ground and and some of that is seasonal, you know, when it's really hot, um, it, it needs to be a faster process. Um, but families who are choosing not to go the funeral home route and have their loved one in, it's called shelter, in the just cooled down in a sort of a freezer scenario, um, are using either dry ice or techna ice at home because there's this rising sort of home funeral movement as well and people wanting to, to keep their loved ones at home for, you know, a period of three days or so and let, let people come and say goodbye in person in that way. Um, and once you cool the core of the body down, you know, you can trade out the dry ice or the techna ice. Techna ice is like, like a larger version of an ice pack, really. Um, and keeping the window open and keeping them in a in a room that's cooler, um, and so with with that family home funeral scenario, um, generally it's a it's about a week. Um, it it also depends on um, you know what what caused the person's death and and what what state their body was in when they were still alive. Um, and then with with funeral home involvement. Um, it can be it can be up to two or three weeks. It's it, one of the things I think people because we're so used to when somebody dies, you call the funeral home right away. They whisk the person off. Like it's a very fast, almost a sped up process. And so one of the gifts of this is, um, yeah, there is some time some time constraint, but I'm re- I really encourage people to take to take their time which, with each step of the process and really try to stay as present as possible. Well, no, it, it, like I said, it's just a whole different uh, perspective, and that paradigm is shifting. Um, and I, I, you know, that really is one of those things that I've, you know, the feedback that I've, I've received uh, from visitors at our website is that they do feel pressured. And it's, it's not that the funeral director or funeral home is giving them pressure. Um, it just you know, because they put a sense of pressure on themselves and oftentimes mm-hmm. unnecessarily, if you will. Now, is there mm-hmm. anyone that uh, wouldn't be a good candidate for uh, a natural burial? Um, you know, someone who had had a disease or they're, you know, that type of a thing. Is that something that you need to be or they need to be aware of, I should say? Not necessarily. Yeah, I can't really think of anything. I, it is a question people have, especially folks who have been through um, a lot of like chemotherapy and and um, and regimens on in the medical side of things. Um, concerned, and this is really a, a sweet thing, but concerned that the chemicals in their body might harm the wilderness. You know, might might do harm to the living things here. But soil is one of the best. Soil is one of the best remediators, you know, soil, soil heals when it's healthy, alive soil. So um, as far as, as um, uh, disease, no, not really. I'm, I, I can't think of anything that would be a prohibitor. 
Uh, well, perhaps I'm thinking one of the things that, as you were talking, came to my mind was, for instance, uh, a pacemaker, uh, which does have some nuclear uh, mm-hmm. radioactive elements mm-hmm. in it, I know. Um, we learned that on our cremation show that that needs to be removed yeah. before uh, your body's cremated, which leads me to my, my next question. Um, what about cremains? If, if someone chooses to be cremated and yet they would still mm-hmm. like to be um, uh, have their, their ashes uh, interred uh, at White Eagle, is that something that you offer as well? Absolutely, yeah. We offer um, the cremation burial sites are uh, 10 by 10, so they're a bit smaller. And we have, throughout the grid, sort of designated a a site in each of the sections um, for cremains burial. And that's just lovely. We just ask that the urn that they are um, being buried in also will biodegrade. Which makes perfect sense. Obviously, uh, we're... uh... You know, you want everything to go back uh, from whence it came. Um, Mm -hmm. Jody, we have absolutely run out of time again. I don't know how this happens to me. Every episode, it's like (laughs) I look up and I go, my goodness, how did we manage to burn through that much time? I I want to thank you again so much uh, for giving uh, part of your day to us and our listeners. To our listeners, please go to FuneralFact.com and you'll be able to uh, check out the White Eagle Memorial Preserve Cemetery at Econi Ranch uh, via link there. See you next time on the Funeral Fact Podcast. Broadcast is copyright 2017 Casper Media. All rights reserved.